0: Ladies and gentlemen, attention everyone Welcome to No Picks After Dark It's your boy Nick Burr And you are now tuned in to the hottest podcast in the world With Aaron Dante Giving you the hottest interviews with the dopest people Sharing their experiences from your neighborhood all around to the world Voted Best Baltimore Podcast by you, the listeners Now, your host, Aaron Dante Yo Aaron, talk to him Oh man, that was beautiful
1: Welcome back, folks, to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante, and I'm so excited that you're here with me today. And we're doing, I'm giving you a bonus, another Valentine's Day episode. I'm just giving it a number of love because, I mean, I celebrate 100 episodes a week, and I want to show a little appreciation to the fans, everybody who's stuck with me for the last two years, the new fans, everybody who's listening to it. Why not? Two shows Three, I'm giving you three episodes in one week. I never do this. But I want to show some love to everybody who's giving support out there. So without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to one of the first parts of the show. One of my favorite parts is Mr. Comedian, the comedian, Mr. Ivan Martin. One of the best around, best in Baltimore, heart of the city. Here we go. No further ado, Mr. Ivan Martin, the Ivan men. What's up, brother?
0: What is going on? No pics after dark. What's going on, Aaron? How you doing, baby? I'm good, brother. I'm happy you're here, man. It's it's a blessing. It's
1: just really good to meet somebody. There's a brother that's doing some big things. Black History Month. I love it, man. Hey,
0: man. Congratulations again. 100th episode. Come on, man. How you do that? Working hard for him. Man, working too damn hard. Man, I feel you, man. I've been taking a break this week, man. I've been taking in some content, watching documentaries left and right. Had a chance to check out that Spike Lee film, American Skin. Outstanding content, man. Didn't didn't take it too far. Didn't didn't go. It was an outstanding dialogue between people, man. I loved it, man. But of all the documentaries and things I've been seeing lately, the thing that caught my eye the most—you won't believe it, brother—the Britney Spears documentary has blew my mind. Hit oh man, me, baby, oh. one more. Don't hit me, baby. No more please. I was watching that. Did you all this time on that girl Instagram? she been putting out cryptic messages and stuff like that. I was, I was, it had me going back looking at all, like, let me look at my mama Instagram. Let me look at my auntie Instagram. Who's putting up from now on, let me know you know right now. If you see me, blinking my eyes a whole bunch of times and my Instagram post. Save me, please, because that is the code for my girlfriend knows my combination and is getting to my phone every night. Don't text me after 12, please. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm just playing. Man. More fun, more likeness, man. I'm having a great time this Black History Month. Also, another great documentary for Black History Month. The Barry Gordy Hitchville Motown documentary has been released on YouTube for free by Showtime. and it is. So into, like it's so nice, man, and me being a huge fan of collecting vinyl and Stevie Wonder and man, it was it was it was so great. so if you're if you're a huge fan of music, please be sure to check that out. And something so cool about Barry Gordy, I did not know, come to find out what made his process so 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 special was that he really had the same exact experience that he took from the assembly line working at the Ford plant. He applied that to his studio. So in one room, an artist can come straight off the streets and then you go to etiquette class. And in another room, you go to dance class. And in another room, you go to singing class. And by the time you get off this assembly line, you're a whole different artist at the end of the day. And I was like, man, you know something so cool about that is it was a black man that taught Henry Ford the process of how to run a plant. This, mm. this young black man, you know him, He was so smart, he invented so many different inventions from a peanut. Now, what people don't Mm. know is, what people don't know is, when this young man was younger, at a period of time in his life, he was staying with a white family, and the white family castrated him because they did not want him to impregnate their daughter. They were afraid of that. So time goes on. This gentleman meets Henry Ford, teaches him about the assembly line and all these things, and that's why Henry Ford didn't call it a car factory. That's why he called it a plant. So, going even further with that, I'm thinking all this time it is incredible what one man has done to affect another brother's life and somebody else's life, and all of this stuff he did from a plant when all this time he ain't even had no damn seeds. My name's Isaac oh. Martin people. I love you <laughs> I love you.
1: Man, oh man, this oh man. It it gets better like wine every time I hear that Mr. Ivan Martin. Boy, it gets better like wine. Woo! Man, oh man, oh man. Hey everybody, y'all have a happy Valentine's Day weekend. Um enjoy yourselves. uh, Enjoy Enjoy the wine. Enjoy everything you're enjoying. Again, how can we find you on social media, Mr. Mr. Ivan Martin?
0: Comedian Ivan Martin on social media and Facebook. Please do not be afraid to DM me. Hit me up. I'm always looking for new people to follow back. So have a great Valentine's Day. And if you are by yourself, don't worry about it. You're here with Aaron Dante. Aaron Dante giving you a kiss right now. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, and then tell tell the people where we can find you every Wednesday night. I want to plug that. Let's
0: plug that every Wednesday every night, Wednesday. eight o'clock. I pay comedians to perform at Motor House, Baltimore. You can catch it live. We go at eight o'clock every week. It's a different week and a different host, and we're just trying to continue to safely allow comics to be paid for their art as well as have a place to work out.
1: That's a beautiful thing, folks. You hear you hearing that first. All right, go support these guys every Wednesday night. On on IG, IG live. Can't go wrong. Folks, we'll be right back after these messages. Visit your neighborhood sanctuary and do wellness for a luxurious experience for everybody. Treat yourself and a loved one with a massage, facial, or an entire day of pampering with our deluxe spa day packages that include lunch from the restaurant next door, fire and rice. For more information on booking or purchasing gift cards, visit their website at unduewellness.com or call at 443-438-4048. They look forward to welcoming you and your loved ones to their beautiful new space at Soha Union, located at 4801 Harper Road, Suite 1. Hey, welcome back, folks, to No Picks of the Dark Podcast. I'm your host again, Aaron Dante, and I'm so excited to, you know, to continue this Valentine's Day special you know, I gave you one the other day. Now I'm giving you a second one. Man, we, we are some we are working hard over here in Opics of the Dark. And I'm so thankful that Miss Natasha Axelrod is able to come on and drop some gems and some jewels today for us for the Valentine's Day special. So Miss Natasha, how are you doing today?
2: Doing great. Happy Valentine's Day again. Yes,
1: yes, yes. yes. <laughs> you know, my favorite movie is uh, Valentine's Day. It's kind of cheesy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know what? I love it.
1: It's a great movie. I, I don't know why I like that, but like, it's just cheesy, but I get all mushy and warm when I watch it. But anyway, nobody wants to hear about me. Let's talk about <laughs> you. Um, tell us what's going on in miss Natasha's
2: minute today. All right, today, let's talk real briefly about another Supreme Court case last week we talked about, or yesterday, whenever the, Val- the other Valentine's Day episode aired, um, Loving versus Virginia, and case about love and marriage. And uh, today let's talk about another case about love and marriage. Obergefell versus Hodges. This is the case, people might not know the name of this case, but this case is the case from 2015 that legalized same-sex marriage. That was the result that came out of this case. But I'm going to give a few details on how the court went about this. Again, because I think, you know, when you review Supreme Court decisions, it's historical, but it's also legal education because it hopefully helps us understand how this, this the high court decides what our individual constitutional rights mean, because that's really the role the Supreme Court plays in our government. Um, so, state laws that this, this case involves state laws that prohibited same-sex marriage, and the court said this violates equal protection. The laws deny the equal protection of the laws uh, to gays and lesbians. And the Supreme Court also found this just violated the right to marry. You know, the Supreme Court had long held by that point. This is 2015, so. For a long time, the Supreme Court had held in other cases that the right to marry was a fundamental right and protected by the, by the Constitution. And so this case, you know, part of the discussion centered around definition of marriage. And one of the arguments was, oh, marriage should only be between a man and a woman because that's how you can procreate. And the court was kind of like, yeah, but that's not the only reason you get married to procreate. And there was a tradition argument and the court said to that, you know, there's been a tradition of discrimination against same-sex couples who want to marry. That's not a reason to keep doing it. We tradition, yeah, maybe the more traditional definition of marriage has been between a man and a woman, but things have changed and we've kind of, we finally caught up um, to being more inclusive and, and and valuing everyone in equal rights. And then what the dissenters really said in this case was, you know, they they were like, oh, well, this should really be left to the political, political process. So when you hear someone say that something should be left to the political process, In my mind, what they're really saying is, you know, it's let the people decide, but it's let the people decide through the representatives they elect to make laws, which is just a way of getting to, you know, avoiding the outcome in this case, which is that same-sex couples had a legal right to marry. Um, But in the end, this was a 5-4 decision. So five justices finding that this, these laws prohibiting same-sex marriage violated the constitution and said, this, um, All these people are asking for is equal dignity in the eyes of the law, that's from the opinion, and the Constitution grants them that right. But being that this is a 5-4 decision with so many Supreme Court decisions, one vote the other way would have changed everything. And that's true with every Supreme Court case, really, when it comes down to nine votes, nine people who hold really an immense amount of power in our system, It's just, it matters so much who's on the Supreme court. And that's why we talk about it so much. Cause this, this was a close case, five, four could have easily gone the other way. So, um, this is just a little bit about this case that finally granted same-sex couples the right to marry as hetero couples had enjoyed for years and years and years. This is, um, you know, equal protection of the law is equal under the law. And that's what this case did finally for, um, for same-sex
1: marriage. Wow, thank you so much. And I want to apologize because folks in the beginning, I didn't say Miss Natasha Axwell, legal expert, lawyer, legal contributor to the show. So I want to say apologize for not saying that in the beginning, but thank you so much for what you just dropped today. That was awesome.
2: Happy Valentine's Day to everyone.
1: Yeah, see, I, I, I made a goof on that, but where can, where can we find you on social media?
2: Uh, On Instagram, at Natasha Axelrod. Oh, no, at Natasha underscore Axelrod. And on YouTube, at Natasha Axelrod, the legal blonde.
1: All right, folks. Well, you heard it here first. Thank you so much for dropping that knowledge. Folks, we'll be right back after these messages. This portion of the episode is sponsored by Maggie's Farm, located at 4341 Harvard Road. Celebrate Valentine's Day at Maggie's Farm featuring a three-course prefix menu for $55. Offering a unique menu for this special day that will include an amazing steak option, rockfish, handcraft cocktails, and many more delectable choices. Wine pairings for each course are available for just $20 more. Make this Valentine's Day unforgettable with Maggie's Farm Dining Experience. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Wednesday through Saturday, and serving brunch Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials. And folks, we are back at No of Dark Podcast. I'm your host Aaron Dante, and uh, you know Happy Valentine's Day to all the lovers out there and whatnot. And sorry, though, no, that's my son in the background but I uh, hope all is well. But we have my main man, Trevor White, on the show from VBS Tax and Accounting. What's going on, brother? How are you feeling today? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, man. Just happy you're on the show. You bring so much added value to the show. It's a beautiful thing, and people will need the help out here. What you got What you got on tap for us today?
3: Well, you know, in, in, in preparation for, for tax season, we got the big uh, tax day coming up uh, this Friday. The 12th is when tax season begins. I just wanted to you know, give a little bit of information for individuals on things that they need to be looking for and things that they need to be setting aside before they go see their tax repair. So the first thing, when you're starting to gather your information up, you know, you can either put a checklist together, or you can ask your tax preparer to send you an organizer, or they can send you a checklist. The normal things that you want to have, obviously, you want to have your driver's license. If you're filing with somebody else, you want to have their their information, the information of your spouse, on any children that you have. You wanna make sure that you have the child's full name, their social security number, okay, their date of birth, and then anybody that lives with you the same thing and that you take care of that's either under 17 or that makes under $4,300. You can also put them on your tax return as a a dependent. So you wanna know the full name, the social security number, make sure you have copies of those things as well, so you can so that you know, your tax preparer can have, you know what I mean, that information documented. Then when you go to your wages, all right, it's not just, you just don't need your W-2, especially for 2020, for 2020. A lot of people got unemployment that normally do not get unemployment. That form is not something that you may be expecting to receive. So you want to make sure you have your 1099 G form as long as well as having your W-2 form. And then if you have any money in the bank and you collect an interest on it, you want to make sure you look out for your 1099 INT form. You also want to make sure that you're looking out for your 1099 div form if you have any dividends. A lot of people were investing last year. All right. I speak to a lot of people now. A lot of people investing in the market. You want to look out for your 1099 B form. Go to wherever, Robinhood, Cash App, anywhere that you got your investments at, okay, TD. And you wanna make sure that you're pulling in get your, your year-end tax documents, okay? If you are buying and selling stocks, then you need to record that information on your tax return, whether it's short-term or long-term capital gains. We can talk about capital gains rates at a later time. And then also, a lot of people are doing crypto now. A lot of people are trading cryptocurrency. That's the same thing. You can't even finish a tax return now without answering that question. Did anybody have any cryptocurrencies or were they holding any cryptocurrencies? You have to. Um, you, you have to
1: put that information on your tax. What about Venmo? What about Venmo and uh, all the other stuff? What about that money, what about money trail like that?
3: All right. Some of these intermediaries, right, that people use to collect revenue, OK, weren't necessarily too set up. All right, Venmo, Zelle, um, PayPal, whereas peer to peer exchange, we're not necessarily set up for businesses, but a lot of people utilize them for business transactions. Okay. Cash App, because they're owned by Square, if you have a certain amount of transactions on Cash App, they're just gonna recommend you to open up a business page, all right, or a business app um, to start tracking. Most, um, what they call merchant service applications will send you a 1099 form all right a 1099 k and those are the, the the record of how many transactions you did over their over their service but as a business owner all right if you're using these these uh if you're using these services you have a personal obligation to report the revenue that you make all right so Will someone else be tracking it from the IRS or you know um, any other side? Not necessarily, but you do have a personal obligation to record any revenue that you make.
1: I've seen a lot of businesses that say, "Hey, just cash at me here, cash at me Mm -hmm. here, or Venmo me here." So I guess there's really it's like the Wild Wild West. Nobody's really tracking it per se.
3: Well, here's the thing: it's just like going into a store and paying with cash. All right. Does that store have to report that cash if they don't plug it into their register? Uh, not necessarily. All right. But do they? Yeah, most of them do. OK, so the, these these tools that people are using within inside their business um, are not necessarily revenue tracking tools, but you should be using them when you go to fill out how much revenue did you make for the year. You can go on to Cash App and pull down a Cash App statement. You can go on to Venmo, PayPal. And pull up a transaction statement to see how many, how much income you brought in, and you should be using that to fill out your business organizing about how much money did I make last year. Don't tell me, oh, I don't know how much money I made, and you did 30000 in, in in Cash App transactions, right? You know, you know how much money you made, or you like a lot. Some people now they're using their Cash App like a bank account. And they don't they don't download their money into their bank account from Cash App. They just do all of their stuff in Cash App. They walk around with a Cash App debit card. They take money off of it. They use it for expenses. And so they can't pull down, especially the younger kids or the younger entrepreneurs. They, they, what do you mean a bank account? I just use my Cash App. All right. But you can go on to, you know, the Cash App, go online. You can pull up your cash app statement and you can see your transaction. Mission.
1: Man, you, you you dropping some jewels right now because I know a lot of businesses out here that, you know, they sell T-shirts, they sell apparel. And they're like, no, just Venmo me, cash app me, cash app me. And I'm like, I don't know how we, they're tracking it, but I guess it is what it is. Hey, if we want to get into the nuts and bolts, you know what I mean?
3: Y'all know where to find me come talk to me, sit down. We're going to drop some of the jewels in, but then we're going to, you know what I mean? Some things is, is meant to be person-to-person uh, talk um, about, you know, especially because the way people operate their business is personal. You know, the way people operate their business is not necessarily, you know what I mean, something that everybody, you know, needs to know how it's being done, all right? So, you know, they can be they can do that, and we can talk about that face-to-face um, because, some revenue, all right, um, you know, all revenue should be reported, but we need to know how that revenue was derived, how that revenue came in, and then how many expenses really attached themselves, you know, to that revenue. Um, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, oh, I got a 1099, I'm just gonna use the 1099. Well, there's some expenses that can also go, you know, associated with that 1099. Oh, my son got a job for the first time and he was just a contractor, he was working at school, I ran into a situation last year with a client. Her son made $21,000 working as a 1099 contractor. He didn't have any expenses. He didn't know, you know, he didn't keep track of anything. And he walked away with a nice little tax bill. But if we would have sat down and he would talk to me ahead of time, I would have told him, hey, keep track of your records. How much money are you doing? What are you buying in association with, you know what I mean, that job that you had? You just can't come in and say, oh, I threw away all of my
1: records and I don't have anything." You know, it can, it, it can really put you in a bad situation. All right then, folks, where can we find you on internet? Where can we find you emailing? Where can we find you?
3: Absolutely, you can find me on IG under uh, Mr. Tax Pro. You can go to my website, vbstax.com. Um, and then you can email me at ty at All right,
1: folks. And we'll be right back after these messages. This portion of the episode is sponsored by Found Studio Shop. Looking for unique gifts curated by an artist? Shop online at foundstudioshop.com and explore a delightful selection of gifts for Valentine's Day. Handmade jewelry, ceramics, cards, and more. Or pamper yourself or your loved ones with candles, gift boxes, and locally made bath and body products. All of this and more is available for shipping or local pickup at Red Canoe in Northeast Baltimore. Browse whenever the mood strikes at foundstudioshop.com. Welcome, folks, back to the No Picks After Dark podcast. Again, I'm your host, Aaron Dante. And this is my very special Valentine's Day special. And I'm so excited. So 1st first time, actually, I'm doing a Valentine's Day special. And, uh, you know, this guest I am wanted to have come on, you know, I've been playing phone tag, email tag for the last four to six months. And I'm like, you know what? She emailed me. I was like, Aaron, let's make this happen. She nailed down, was like, you gotta give me on. I wanna be on the show. I was like, I want you on the show too. So we finally are, we making it happen. So I'm gonna introduce you to this, this lady. She's crushing it out here. And I mean, she's doing big things. I really, really admire what she's got going on. I'm so happy for Valentine's day special. That's why I like it. Her name is Lisa Clary. She's a tough love, self-help writer, with the focus of interactions, relationships, mindsets, and goals. Her work bypasses a cheerleader approach and realistically dives into everyday issues. Her work has appeared in Today, The Huffington Post, Women's Health, Love What Matters. She was a former Daily Health columnist on, for NBC. She is an author of her own book, How to Survive a Breakup When All Your Friends Are Birthing Their Second Child. Without further ado, Ms. Lisa Clary, how are you doing today?
4: I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me on, and thanks for that introduction. I think that uh, I'll hire you. Uh, at my funeral, because I feel very, <laughs> I feel, you know, I feel very honored to be here. So thank you so much.
1: Hey, thank you so much. You know, folks, it's it's, it's a wild world we live in. Um, just, you know, I reached out to her, I saw what she was doing on social media. I loved it. I was like, all right, this is cool, because I have some single friends out there doing their thing. And I can relate, you know, I have friends who just, one friend who is 40, and she's traveling, she has traveled to the U.S., And because she was like, you know what, I just want want to find myself and enjoy life and see the see the United States. So again, I I really appreciate you coming on. And without further ado, tell us a little bit. I gave you I gave her the bio. Now it's your turn to talk. So this is your show. This is your show. I'm gonna let you take over. I'm just here, just sitting like everybody else as a guest. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you from Baltimore? Go from there.
4: Yeah, so I am from Baltimore and i grew up and lived around the area in locust point and federal hill for uh, many years and i am a self-help writer so i started out when i was younger doing those lists that you see like 10 things to do before you're 30 or, or different things like that and when i was 31 and i was living in baltimore at that time i went through a breakup after a long-term relationship. I was laid off and I also had nowhere to live. And so that all happened in three months. And so my joke is someone helped the self-help writer and I had nothing to write about because here I am giving out lists and advice and and things like that. Um, But I found myself in a really lost place in life. So at that point, I thought, you know, I need to figure out my direction. I need to delve a little bit deeper into who I am and who I want to be. And so with that, um, that's really what inspired me writing my book again, which is how to survive a breakup when all of your friends are birthing their second child. It is um, it's humorous and it's self-deprecating, but it speaks to people who maybe feel like they aren't where they want to be or should be in life. And so it's, um, you know, again, it's very self-deprecating, and it's just, um, it's, it's, it was something that I needed to write for myself. There was nothing out there on the market, and it does speak a lot to women because I feel like women are constantly pressured to hit certain milestones by a certain age, especially by the age of 30, and you can ask, you know, you can ask your wife um, or or different individuals, but Even in the workplace, we feel those pressures because we're asked, oh, are you married or do you have kids? And it's something that, you know, I I want, but it's something that I want in my own time. And so when you go through different, different transitions in life, like a breakup, when you're an old at an older age, I put in air quotes, Mm -hmm. um, you start to wonder, um, am I am I doing something wrong or should I have settled? just to hit that milestone or just to be married or be in that relationship. And so I wanted to write something for women in my same situation to tell them it's okay to feel hurt or to feel sad through a breakup, Mm. but it's also at the same time, not the worst thing in the world. So I, you know, kind of balanced in between, uh, you know, those two themes and wrote, of how I went through a temporary depression and how I had a hard time getting off of the couch because I was a self help writer and I didn't know what to write about I felt like a fraud and so a lot of books out on the market are very overly positive so I call that toxic positivity or they're like you know you can do it but they don't really start from the the root of the issue the root of why people want to read Uh, self-help books. And that's a, and that is, you know, starting with a problem, starting with some sort of pitfall, some sort of trauma, and explaining that it's okay to feel that, that it's okay to feel that sadness. So that's really, again, what, um, you know, what inspired that book. And then also living in Baltimore, um, there's a lot of people who are married and who have kids. And I certainly appreciate that. I love um, hanging out with my married friends and with kids, etc. But, you know, when you're always, Um, you know, I joke because I've been a a bridesmaid in a lot of weddings, but when you're always everyone's go-to bridesmaid, um, you start to wonder, well, you know, who's there for me? People get older, they get busier. So this was also just a nod to that, like, hey, I've been there. I know how you feel. Um, If anyone's been through that transition, but I don't want women, I don't want people to feel like, again, that they have to hit milestones to be happy, that those two things can be different things. They can be split apart. You don't have to have that perfect house to be happy or you don't have to have that perfect corner office to be happy. There's ways that you can find that happiness. So I give a breakdown of how I journeyed to find that. And through the whole book, I'm me, so I make fun of myself. (laughs) Because if you can't laugh, then what's the point of reading something? What's the point of of going through life? And so that's really the angle um, of that and kind of my my angle with my writing
1: so yeah no no that that's a great explanation I, I love this I love how you broke it all down um just from the book I mean we'll start we'll, we'll go off the book so what like you're you're already a writer like what does who just says i want to write a book where does that come from like I mean I I mean I have a lot of thoughts in my head that I put down in pen and paper but I don't really do anything with it. What makes you just like, I want to write a book and really talk about everything about my, ex- and it's a vulnerability of putting yourself out there and what, you know, what, take us through that walk when doing that, when you're thinking about writing a book.
4: Well, I always wanted to be a writer and even in elementary school, I always would sit down and write and my mom was a teacher and she recognized that i had a proficiency for that so she would give me blank books and blank journals and i loved that i loved how i could write memories down as a second grader and retain how i felt and retain my handwriting and retain what i liked about the day and so i i enjoyed that so my writing developed from there and when i went through again a breakup um, and, and being laid off, et cetera. Um, I was just like, well, I don't have anything to lose. And surely there are other people in my same situation. And I want to speak to them. I want to tell people that it's okay, that it's okay to be 30, 31 and not be married and not have kids that I want to encourage uh, women to pursue happiness. So at that time, I, I didn't have anything else to do. I mean, I was, I wrote, I wrote through my emotional processes as they were happening. So this did go through multiple drafts, because there were times when it sounded angry. <laughs> like, well, that's not how I wanted it to sound. That's how I felt. But I just made it a routine. So I did it a little bit every day. And it's something that was a goal of mine. So I was like, you know, I want to do it now. I want to do it while I have the time to be able to do it. The me time that I speak about in the book. And it's, you know, when you when you sit down, I can't say that I actually enjoy writing and sitting down. It's very tasking. And I enjoyed it when it's done. I enjoy it now. But I just made it a daily routine. So something that I speak on is. You know, in today's society, in today's self help, that we expect to be instantaneously happy. We expect to get that gratification right away. And that's why self care and self help is such a hot topic these days. But is a spa day going to fix a deep rooted problem? You know, I'm all for them. But sometimes you have to dig deep and go through the dirty work and do the, you know, the emotions you don't really want to um, handle. So, that was this book for me, it was kind of my form of, of self, of self care. And it was very therapeutic for me to write. And, um, you know, to have it come out uh, during the pandemic, it was, it was, um, I was like, you know, shoot, I really wanted to do like an in person launch party. So I appreciate, you know, people like you, having me on your podcast, but you just adapt, you just can't plan for the good and the bad of life. And that's just part of it. So it was really, it was a really great process for, for me to do it and, and to have it, um, you know, to have it come through in final form. It was really great.
1: It's interesting because um, it's funny. You said you hit something on the head that I, it reminded me of my life. Um, when I was working for a certain company, not going to name the company. Um, when I first got there, I was a single guy. Boss Matteo working 12, 14-hour days. And I remember a lot of the, the other gentlemen, that the guys that got married when they were like 24, 25, 26. And then they got married and then guess what happened? They got promoted right away. Because companies, the old school way of thinking was, oh, if he's married, then it means he's stable, he's reliable. Therefore, we can promote him and he will be here. He has a family. He's going to be a family man and stuff like that. And I found that within this company, a lot of guys who got married got promoted quickly. A lot of the single guys didn't get promoted quickly at all. Uh, it took us a little bit longer. It didn't matter. What, it just, it, I found that. And then one day I asked one of my I asked one of my colleagues who was in a higher in a higher up. And he was like, yeah, that, that's what we do. That's what they do. They look at your stability. Look at your family. And I was like, that sucks because somebody who's single, who busts their tail just as hard as the next person. But you equate marriage as stability. And that's what a lot of companies do. How do you feel about that as far as your perspective? Did you ever run into that with your perspective of working and jobs and things of that nature? Because I know from my, from my personal experience, that happened to me and that was really irritating because you know, 95% of my friends, we didn't get married until we were like late thirties. <laughs> so we really wanted to focus on our careers and lay very later date. So I mean just what about you? I mean, did you encounter that professionally also?
4: I I have 100%, I should say 200%.
1: <laughs> and
4: at the at, right now I am 35 years old. There is a there is a, a certain mystery that I feel like surrounds females when they don't have a photo of their of their spouse or their partner, um, even children up in their offices and i definitely do agree about the stability issue cuz i've had that question cuz i've written articles about that where people will ask oh are you married do you have kids and those are normal questions those are normal conversational questions that i don't take offense to but the one thing that does bother me at times is people will ask well do you want them you know do you want to get married do you so it's it's not it's not the what that always kind of caught me off guard it was the do And, you know, there's a lot of factors if people don't want to get married or don't want to have kids. And sometimes people don't want to explore those, those reasonings. Um, But definitely in the workplace, uh, I've been asked, am I married? Do I want that? And it was just kind of, again, this mystery. Well, why doesn't she have that? Because if she, you know, with women, especially, Um, people equate marriage and children to being happy. So sometimes people want that for you because that's what makes them happy. And therefore you should have that too. So I always try to gently redirect the conversations and say, oh, I don't have that. I I would like to get married, but, uh, but when the time's right for me or when I'm happy or things like that, or I simply will just redirect the conversation somewhere else. But I've encountered that, and hopefully that wouldn't have affected my ability to get promoted. But at the end of the day, you never know what makes people tick, what makes other people tick. And I'm, I'm not surprised that that happened to you. And, and certainly not surprised that that happens elsewhere, because I, I know it does. And I've experienced just this interrogation, so to speak. Um, you know, in, in many places, people don't want... Uh, Their employees bringing their personal lives or their personal, I should say, personal problems into the workplace. But there's still always that, um, just that nosiness of wanting to know what's beyond that person.
1: People are just nosy as human nature. They, you know, it's, I always look at it, people are always judging everybody else's lives and about, you know, I I like to do what I do, mind my own business, go home (laughs) and go to work. And, you know, I used to be the guy who was at, Oh, let's all go to happy Hour together, hang out, you know, and not so much anymore. But that was, you know, that's how I socialized and got met people and things of that nature. So tell us about the Baltimore dating scene. I mean, we have to talk about that because you, you, you and I have emailed, you wrote some stuff to me about OKCupid, tender date. People start recognizing, I mean, it's crazy what you were saying. So explain like the tendered okay, OKCupid, like being in that lane. And going to the same restaurants, or somebody saying they know you, or seeing you, or like, go ahead. I'm just curious how that worked out.
4: Sure. So I'm stifling a smile. I'm like smirking, <laughs> smiling, so it's coming out really weird right now. But yeah. So when I lived in um, in Federal Hill and Lucas Point, it, it was it was I was dating, and you know that is it's great at the same time, it's also exhausting. Um, And for me, and I think it's a a smart practice. And again, this is pre pandemic and this was before my breakup. This is after my breakup. I've been dating for a while, Um, but I would go to the same spots in Baltimore because it was like my safe spots where I could either walk to, or I knew the bartenders or um, I had friends who live nearby. And I would get into a routine of dating. And I'm actually an advocate for for people with dating to go on multiple dates with multiple people. And that's something that I speak to, especially when you're an older age, it helps you to not feel like you have to put all your eggs in one basket, it helps to put that pressure off of whoever you're dating. So I would routinely go to a specific spot, I won't mention it the actual restaurant it was small I felt safe but then the cook said you're always in here with different people and I was like oh no I have to I have to change my spot this is very embarrassing he's going to think that you know like I'm an escort or I'm doing something weird and and I, I didn't go back there I was actually very embarrassed so my lesson learned is to rotate your your spots um, and, and, um, I don't know, wear wigs, wear disguises. No, <laughs> not really, not really, but it is, it did speak to some Baltimore where you'll see friends who know you, or, you know, you may even run into other dates that you've, <laughs> that you've um, gone out with when you're on a different date, but that's just Baltimore. And I just learned to laugh with it. And Baltimore has a lot of great different um, restaurants and little nooks and crannies. So you know, at the end of the day, hey, I got to explore a new spot with someone, had a great conversation. Um, Maybe it went on a bad date and then called it a day. So yeah, that was my my funny little embarrassing moment that I talk about in the book. But um, I also say, if you can't laugh, well, what's the point? So I and what, would you, <laughs> what
1: would you say about how is that? I mean, what is the dating city in Baltimore? I mean, I don't really, I'm just curious, like, how is it? I mean, is it a thriving scene nowadays or i mean well when you when you were writing the book and coming with all this stuff back let's talk about back then um when you were going through the whole process um did you find yourself just like finding dates where you're like why am i here after the first 30 seconds <laughs> like have you ever had a situation when you were like i can't believe i'm here or you're like oh this guy's pretty good and then you're like uh second date kind of like it really just learning how because you were finding yourself also but like how'd you figure out what you wanted
4: yeah myself. so when I started dating after my breakup I was kind of that overly positive overly like "Yes, yeah, this is great I got through my breakup life is great mm-hmm. but I felt like I wasn't being myself when I was kind of going through I felt like a job interview that's how I was presenting myself on dates and I feel like other people do that same thing on dates and so I had more success when I was just me, when I was laid back, more sarcastic. Um, I was on a podcast and the one uh, host said, well, when I date, my method is to repel the most people as possible. And whoever's standing and left standing, that's the one that I know that will stick around. So mm. not that I'm going to be on my bad behavior, but that always <laughs> made me laugh when when he said that, because it's true. It's just, It's just be relaxed and be yourself. So I had more success when I started doing that. But I did go on dates. Gosh, I mean, I was on dating apps for um, three or four years. And that's a long time because you start to see the people recycle over and over. And I'm like, why am I still on this app? (laughs) What's going on? And it was just chemistry or compatibility or little relationships to work and they, and they didn't, but yeah, I guess what is the dating scene? Like it's in the, in the first 30 seconds, I think, you know, (laughs) that you are going that, like, Oh, this person um, is not what he seems, you know, people can put up photos or things like that. So it's really meeting that person. Um, So in the first 30 seconds, you can tell if a person was trying to be someone who they weren't. And I'm not talking about more attractive or whatnot, Um, it's, it's, it's across the board and, or, you know, that, oh, this person maybe, um, is just getting out of a divorce or is just getting out of a long-term relationship. That is the tricky part uh, when you're, when you're dating. And I use 30 as a mile, as a mile marker. I say that in quotes, since that's so overemphasized, but when you're dating, when you're older, it's hard because people have kids or people are, are divorced or they're coming out of relationships it's much more baggage than when you were in your 20s. But at the same time, you also have a level of depth that you can reach that is a great, wonderful thing that you wouldn't necessarily get in your in your 20s. But dating in Baltimore, it's it's great, because there's a lot to experience, you can walk, you can be creative, and go to various spots. But the one thing that I warn um, people about, especially women is, Baltimore has got a bar on every corner. So you got to be careful, right. because it's a very easy for um, a date to say, hey, let's go get drinks. And, you know, when you're two glasses in um, with wine, well, are you getting to know this person? You know, what's your end goal? Are you getting to know this person? Or are you just getting drunk together? So I warn people, um, you know about that and if a guy is serious um, with dating, then it's not going to be consistently oh let's go grab a drink or let's go grab food. There's a ton of creative things to do in Baltimore. so it depends on what you want. And eventually as I got busier with with writing, writing this book and um, maintaining my blog, I started asking guys well what are your intentions? Mm-hmm. And so that's when I realized, okay, I need to close down um, one, one, one or two specific apps and focus on one that is a little bit, uh, more long-term. And when I did that, um, I did have success with that. I'm actually engaged right now. Um, uh-huh. I'm a, I'm a bumble success story. All right. Um, Yeah, but that's not to detract from um, me speaking again about about women dating and not wanting to compromise happiness, not wanting to rush towards marriage. And that will still always be my focus. And with that, I was able to open myself up to opportunities. Um, And yes, so he's downstairs um, starting up his accounting busy season and and working. So that was that was a positive thing. Um, for me
1: through, through um, dating. All right, folks. And we'll be right back after these messages. The no picks after dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there is something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, carryout and delivery. And they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Harford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. Yeah, one of my good friends, um, she was one of the first people I recognized who she, I can't remember what, what dating site it was, but you met our future husband from the dating site and it was very successful they have two kids now and they're living life and enjoying themselves and i tell people you know it's you've been through it it's a roll of the dice it's about who you know you met the personalities somebody could be somebody else that they don't know you know you don't know who they are um it's funny when you talk about go for drinks because when back way back when i'm my 20s early late 20s it was like all right let's go to happy hour and meet the person, have a drink, have a have a Cosmo, have a martini and talk, have some food. Because I was like, I'm not going to spend a lot of money on my first date. That's not going to happen. Uh, that, that was my thing. I was like, you know, we're not paying no no $50, $60. <laughs> let's go half off appetizers, half off drinks. Cause I was like, if, if, I, if I lose out, guess what? I'm only losing like $25, $30. And then I went on dates with women that were like, I got my own money. Thanks. I'll pay my own bill. And you're like, wow, I like that. You know, and that was far and few beyond. And I just remember those times or meeting down on a happy hour with a group of people at meeting. You got oh, that was your first date. Type, you know, bring your friends. I'll bring my friends. Let's all hang out at a uh, Bay Cafe back in the day And, and in Ken, Uh for the folks in, from outside of Baltimore. It was like a little beachy spot right off the harbor. It was really cool. They played reggae music on Fridays. So that was like another go-to. So I always thought about happy hour. I never did dinner at first date. That that was called that cost too much. I was cheap. I was like, nah, we, I was like, and like, if you made it past the first date, then we'd be like, all right, second date, we can go somewhere nice. We can get have a nice and have a conversation, you know? Um, what are your thoughts um, about dating and texting and all that stuff? What are your thoughts about that? Uh, are you, are you back in the day? Were you more of a, Person, I need to hear that phone call or talk to somebody, or are you like a text or like, hey, I'd rather for you to text me than call me. Because I feel like the whole game has changed so much now that I don't even know what goes on now. I just I just see that, like my lung, younger sister's like, don't call me, just text me. Okay, okay, sis. <laughs> you know, so I guess she's younger generation, they, they text. What about you, just or the, like when you were single back in the day, dating all that good stuff?
4: So I'm the type of person with family and friends I'll watch the phone ring and then wait for it to end and don't even hit the ignore button because I don't want them to think that I've watched it. And then I'll text them. I'm not someone who picks up the phone and talks. Um, With dating though, I think it's nice when a guy calls. And I, you know, I'm a writer. I pay attention to how people communicate and see that as an extension of their personality. And so sometimes that's a good thing because that really did, show me who that person was. Sometimes that's a bad thing because um, maybe I overanalyzed it a little bit too much, but I like a combination of both during the workday. That's hard. So a little text or, or something like that was something that I look forward to. One of the red flags that I, that I, um, you know, that I would look for is, well, is this guy not texting or communicating with me Maybe we're on different, you know, wavelengths. I wanted at that time to, I've always wanted to date, to then find a relationship. I'm not someone who, you know, ever felt comfortable with casual. It's something, you know, to each her own, but that's just me. So if I found that someone was texting me at like 10 PM, like what, (laughs) Hey, what's up? Um, Or, or didn't go, maybe I would hear from them within three or four days and it was inconsistent. When I was younger, I used to think, oh, what am I doing wrong? Or, um, you know, oh, I should reach out and text him. I felt like I should overcompensate and take control of the situation. And that wasn't beneficial. Then as I got older, you know, as I matured in the dating scene, I let, I let that go. I, oh, he, he's not interested or he has different priorities or whatnot. And so for the ones that texted or called me, I was like, this one's a little bit more serious. But again, now I would just try to save everybody time because we're all busy. You know, you got to drive to that wherever. You have to get ready. You have to what, whatever. I had to get a dog walker. You. <laughs> so I would just ask the, you know, guys that I would go on dates with, well, hey, what are you looking for? Mm. And you could just tell by how they communicated with you. So um, my fiance actually down, downstairs, I'm not allowed to say his actual name, so that's why I keep saying. Oh,
1: you're good. The, you're, you're, I'm
4: like I'm actually pointing downstairs, like <laughs> the the person downstairs. Um, well, he was a breath of fresh air. Was dating and in Baltimore. Um, his first date, actually, well, our first date, we went in out in Fell's Point, and that was our and that was sweet because I like I like Baltimore and their little bars. But then the second date was a paint night. And, and I thought that that was, I was like, all right. And he would text me and communicate with me if he was ever busy with work. Um, Cause oftentimes he can work, you know, 12 hour days. Then he would say, um, I'll text you at a certain time or I'll text you after this client. And that was really nice. And I started to take him and dating more seriously um, because of that. So that's pretty much I guess it's it's a little bit of both. And when you when you can't communicate with someone and you're serious about them, just to send them that text, hey, I, I'm going to be in meetings all day, having a mental breakdown. Um, I'll hit you up later. Just something you know, like that. And it's really sweet.
1: It's crazy. I'm like, I'm reminiscing on my life right now. It's crazy. I'm thinking about everything you're saying. And I remember when I was growing up, so high school, college, it was one of those things where you met a female a female guy like and the goal this is like how i was taught from my other guy friends and obviously we were wrong and back in the day when i was like you know 20, 20 22 23 oh when you get a girl's phone number don't call her for two days like that was like back in the day it was like i uh, let her wait for a couple days to call and then when you call her it's like hey what's going on and maybe are you maybe you are a breath a fresh air at that point but that was like back in the day i mean texting back in the day cost money, so it was like that's right. you, you had to call, or if you called, they didn't have call wait at their house. So that kind of shows my age right there. They didn't have call wait, so or somebody's mom was on the phone line and they were on the internet, so they couldn't get. They couldn't get <laughs> so that was one of the things back in the day, um, or you know how to you had to text the person. You had to text there on, on your pager. So that's it's old, I'm going back old school paging somebody, but um, and then I got older and I realized. You know, if you get a woman's phone number, then why am I waiting two or three days to call her? Just call her. You say, you know, hey, you know, a simple text. Hey, it was nice meeting you. Because everybody was like, well, it sounds creepy if, or what's the word for thirsty? If you get her number at three o'clock and you text her at nine o'clock at night, it's like, oh, that's a creep. He's really a, a clinger on. So there's so many different things of dating that's just, it's still a mystery to me today. Just understand how it even works and how people are courting each other, you know, but that just you talking, explaining that, breaking that down, it just brought me back to my memories of adolescence and youth and just understanding like, how <laughs> dating was crazy back in the day. And, you know, yeah, it just, it just, thank you. Thank you for bringing me back there. And hopefully our listeners, uh, we, we bring them back to when they were courting back in the day in the early, when it was pagers and text messaging costs like 10 cents a text and stuff like that, because we had a call. It was a simple phone call.
4: And inevitably you always had that one friend that would text the okay and, or the K and then, and then charge you that extra dime as if that really mattered, but they all add up, but, you know, and that's what I talk about in the book is, is dating past 30, because um, and again, you just, it's, it's time consuming, you know, how do you date past 30? How do you date when you still have some sort of emotional baggage getting over your own breakup? And so I do encourage people, if they are going through a breakup, to wait a little bit. And there's a beauty in being with yourself and having a silence with yourself. And we are often so scared of it because of the self-help industry, because we feel like we have to doll it with face masks and happy hours and surround yourself with friends. And I talk about, I did move out of Baltimore City after my breakup because I needed quiet. I knew that I wouldn't heal. I knew that I would be doing a disservice to myself if I just kept going out and kind of living that, I I air quote, single life, meaning, you know, going out to different bars. I just wanted to face what it was like being alone. And that was something that I think a lot of us are scared of, of, of loneliness. You know, there's a lot of people who, and I was one of them, who was in a relationship in Baltimore and was still incredibly lonely because I wasn't emotionally fulfilled. We were not compatible, so I moved out into you know a quieter area. It was my first apartment living alone, and in the book I you know I talk about this specific trauma that happened at my first apartment, and then I moved um, to a different apartment. And living alone is a really wonderful thing, especially with a female. You have a certain independence, and so. Anyways, with that and, and then, um, you know, with dating, you're, you're busy and because you're busy, it's kind of like when you communicate with people, what they want, then that is that that's really helpful. And that helped me weed out like a lot of, a lot of people, Mm -hmm. but I also, you know, recommend giving yourself space and kind of listening into the silence and then dating, um, dating a lot of people and maybe two or three people. So the other challenge, and I say this laughing, but you know, you forget what you what you say to certain people. <laughs> you know, you bring up other with with these dating apps and with Bumble, you meet a lot of people and you talk a, about, you know, the standard, their work, et cetera. And at the same time, they're probably dating other people too. And it's confusing. So I'm, you know, who works, what, where? So I found that I would have to go home and jot down little like mental joggers about about the guys that I liked or the ones that I was a little bit more serious about. And then I would be like, okay, um, the the person downstairs is going to Europe in October. And then eventually, as you continue dating and getting to know people better, then and then uh, you know he and i started dating you know wh- what did the kids call it exclusively or whatnot
1: yeah exclusivity that's what the kids call it now.
4: or, or, or <laughs> as i say well, i don't have any more time to date anyone else and i like you so let's see what happens
1: <laughs> hey that, that's straightforward that's straightforward to the point
4: <laughs> yeah so anyway so that was my other challenge is just remembering um you know who you talk to and then in baltimore and because everyone's the same oh I work at Under Armour or or oh I just ran this race around Patterson Park did you <laughs> check out uh, Patterson Park Public House or, or whatnot and so I, things start to blur together and I'm like whoa uh, but you know it is what it is and and certainly I I said things to dates that were from another person and I was on the receiving end of that too so we're on an app you just have to laugh and and I did meet a lot of of um, nice people, I'll still communicate with them from time to time. It's just people trying to figure out life and, and that's really the end of it.
1: What would you say with people with the pandemic going on dating? What would you say? I mean, I know you're not in that rat race anymore, but what would you say about pandemic dating right now? A lot harder, I would say.
4: <laughs> you know, I've been, um, I've been asked that and I, I still don't know, cause I am very conservative um with all this I haven't left the house in quite a while um you know I think there's a divot on my couch of my two butt cheeks because I just sit there I've finished Netflix (laughs) but that's a tough one I think there's a lot of outside venues I'm definitely an outside venue I'm not going to be someone who would dine in I haven't done that so I would I wouldn't necessarily do that but just get creative and carry, you know, your measuring tape with you so you can extend <laughs> it and make sure they stay six feet. I don't know, that's a, you know, that's a hard one. Um, I guess I guess virtual these days um, and just communicating and at the same time, um, you know, if you are meeting someone make sure that that person's worth your time and not just any person um, going through their own revolving circuit. So try to use caution and if you want to meet up with someone try to do it virtual first there's a lot of um, ways that you can nix that 30 second awkwardness and <laughs> the inconvenience of awkward dates by having a virtual chat with someone so maybe I'd, I'd start there I'd start small and then see what pans out
1: that, that makes sense to me that definitely makes sense to me so we're going to do a little speed round. We're going to do a little speed round, and then we'll well we'll come back around with the book, and we can plug all that.
4: Sure. So sure. So
1: crab cake or crabs? It's to, I'm, I'm, I'm an
4: awful Marylander, and I have to say n- neither. Oh, and wow. like I know, I Uh-oh. know. Uh-oh.
1: Uh-oh. Are you can- okay? What's are you a seafood person?
4: You know, I'm actually not, and that's Darren's the culprit, but I, yeah, but, you know, if I had to pick, I would say crabs, because I do go when all of my family and friends eat crabs, and then I just sit and drink wine, so for the social (laughs) aspect of it all, crabs, that's a Maryland nostalgia picnic thing.
1: I agree, I agree. Favorite thing to do outside of work, before pandemic, favorite thing to do outside of work?
4: Yeah, um, shoot. It's weird because I'm like, what have I done this past (laughs) year? Well, nothing. I have only worked. (laughs) Um, Well, right now during the pandemic, uh, I've been going out on a lot of trails with my dog. So I really enjoy that is just getting exercise, being outside. My dog loves it. He um, will like zoom off and and I I enjoy that. And I think when the pandemic ends, the first thing I'm going to do is go to a really nice restaurant or bar with all my friends. And I don't know if I'm going to dress up in a ball gown because I'll be dying to dress up or if I'll just roll out in sweats. (laughs) Could go either or. I haven't decided which one. But, you know, I wish I could say that I like doing more productive things, but I like getting together with friends and family and over a good meal, over drinks. I miss the social camaraderie and entertaining and, and wanting to do that, so... Um, that's a long answer for a speed round. I'm sorry. You're
1: good. It's, it's, uh, I'll make
4: it quicker. <laughs> all,
1: no, my listeners love this part of the show. Dude. They really do. <clears throat> Favorite author.
4: So I really like Mark Manson. He is a also a tough love self-help writer. Um, like me, although he's extremely better than me. He is a bestseller. And I I looked at his self help because I really needed someone who was real, and so he's someone that says you're not a unicorn, you're not someone who's special. The world doesn't owe you. And I think in the world of entitlement these days, we need to hear those messages. And so he's one of my favorite. If you haven't read him, check his blog out, check his books out. Um, and there's something that I that I laugh with, and he's extremely smart.
1: I'm writing his name down right now so we speak. Actually, favorite musician.
4: I really like Julia Michaels. Okay, she's got kind of like that. I don't, I don't know, just that really airy kind of voice. So she's one of my favorites, and one of my favorite songs that she sings is "Anxiety." So I relate to that. I (laughs) like her.
1: All right, here's the one that's a that's a crowd favorite here. Or flats.
4: Flats all the way i'm actually the most annoying person to get wings with because i get only flats and then it makes my brother really upset because then he gets only drumsticks and um you know so i do like flats extra crispy lemon pepper
1: blue cheese or ranch or nothing or nothing
4: blue cheese you gotta uh, dunk it in the blue cheese
1: all right i like that i'm a flats guy myself what is the best advice you've ever received?
4: That's a tough one. But I think with my writing, good advice was just to figure out my strengths and not to try to be anyone who I wasn't. And I think that stems to life in general. So with my writing, I'm not someone who's going to be a hardcore political reporter or who can report on finances and have this expansive vocabulary. That's not me. And I always felt that I was deficient in that because I wasn't some you know, huge grammarian, but I can entertain people and I can make them laugh. Mm. And I learned that that was my strength and that really has helped me in life and with my writing to be myself.
1: All right. So my last one, this is on my question sheet. So there's a lot of people out here who have books about relationships. Tell the audience why we should go out today and buy your book because I mean, I love everything you're talking about, but tell us a little bit about you. So this is time for you to tell us, tell us, you know, go out, buy the book. Go out, your, your, your your time.
4: Sure. I really appreciate that. So my book is different than a lot of the ones on the self-help market, because I'm not telling you how to go get that man or how to go get that happiness. I am telling people how to survive a breakup. And I'm speaking to women who are over 30. I'm speaking to women as a never married woman, as a woman without ch- without children. And I am saying that that's okay, that you don't need that to be happy. You can want that. But I want people to still go through transitions in life and not hate their life as a transition. You know, people want that happily ever after. You see it all over social media, all over Pinterest and Instagram. But if we constantly chase it, And no matter what we want in life, maybe it's a relationship or maybe it's the perfect career. If we consistently chase those milestones and what I call the toxic milestone mentality, if we have that, we will never be enough. We'll be exhausted and we won't be happy. So I want people to buy my book for a glimpse into what it's like going through a breakup when I felt like I needed a relationship to be happy. And as a self help writer going through that, that's the extra spin on that. And so, inevitably, you may be that person or you may know that person who needs to read this. So, I would encourage people to buy it knowing that we don't need to chase after life because once we get that happily ever after, if we're discontent the entire time, is that really a happily ever after? if we spend years dating and hate it the whole time and then find our, you know, find our partner. And, and for me, that's not, I want people to enjoy life transitions because certainly all of my, all of my traumas or all of my pitfalls have gotten me to a good place today. And I want people, especially women to know that open yourself up to opportunities, you know, push back against the societal pressures and understand that happiness comes in all forms and learn how to redirect conversations when people say, oh, do you want kids? And that it's perfectly okay to feel kind of a tinge, like, oh, but it's okay to reshift that conversation. And I don't want women, I don't want people to settle or compromise their own forms of happiness because happiness comes in many forms across across the spectrum. And so that's a, a recommendation for what I say in the book and, and why I do recommend it. Uh, And I also do blog with the same mentality on my website. It's LisaCleary.com. And, and that's also where you can buy the book. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple books. And again, it's how to survive a breakup when all of your friends are birthing their second child. And it's a, it's a quick read and it's entertaining.
1: And where can we find you on social media, like IG, TikTok, Facebook, all that good stuff.
4: Well, you can find it all under LisaCleary.com. So it's LisaCleary.com. And that's where you can find where I house the book and my Instagram and Facebook. But I am on Instagram at LisaCleary3. And that's the number three. So it's at LisaCleary3.
1: Nice, nice. And I definitely, I want to give you a shout out again. Um, we, we didn't, we didn't know this. I didn't know this, but you and I went to the same party that I had thrown six years ago. I don't know if I mentioned it already, but it's awesome to read to, you know, just to say, Hey, how are you doing again? You know, so I really appreciate talking with you.
4: Yeah. So just for those listening, um, we crossed paths because you threw a very extravagant, um, Gatsby party. And I, man- I managed to get a side invite, um, <laughs> through a friend and I was like, who just throws parties and just invites everyone and lets them you know, have all this fun and drinks and food for free. And so that would be you. So it's amazing because you're actually on my Instagram. Again, that six years ago, I have a photo with you. (laughs) It's funny that we're crossing paths again. Um, Obviously in different scenarios, we're not in Gatsby attire with cocktails. Um, But yeah, so thank you. Six years later, thank you um, for having that party.
1: (laughs) We're going to do it again. We're going to, you know, it's funny, all my friends, we would always talk about the end of summer party. And uh, we stopped doing it. But now after being like this and for a whole year, people are itching like, all right, we need to bring it back one more time. And I think we'll do it one more time. I think we'll do it. Maybe, not this not this summer because things are still hectic, but probably next summer we'll probably do it. But and now definitely invite you and your husband probably at that time, hopefully by the time.
4: <laughs> for <laughs> sure. And I, and I imagine just from your own social media, You'll probably have all of Baltimore rented out, so you'll have gone from Bond Street Social, which is a a, <laughs> a local restaurant, which is where that party is, to all of Baltimore. So, um, yeah. So just let me know so I can find the parking <laughs> early.
1: <laughs> you, you know, it's gonna be something big. It's gonna be something big. Again, Miss Lisa Clare, appreciate you giving us these jewels and gems. I think the special Valentine's Day. Is special. Anything you want to say to Valentine lovers out there? Anything? Last words?
4: Just if you're you know if you have a valentine great enjoy your your moments with them put down your do yourself a favor put down your phones don't take photos for social media enjoy that one on one time you know with that person maybe that's a friend of yours or or a family member and if you're single um that's okay if you're sad about single being single that's okay i was there um so i understand but it's not the worst thing in the world and think of things that you like doing plan ahead for the day order yourself some, you know, charcuterie boards. That's the huge craze these days, Um, but indulge and use that time as me time. So, you know, thanks again for having me on for, for the special. I appreciate it.
1: Hey folks, again, love, peace, happiness. Appreciate you guys listening and we're out.